My name's Stu and it's great that you can be with us here tonight as we consider the birth of Jesus. But at this time of year, we consider the year that's just passed us, perhaps too quickly for us. Toxic is the Oxford Dictionary's word of the year for 2018. A toxic culture at work. A toxic culture in relationships, parents, partners and politicians. We've heard this year of toxic masculinity. And what's often given as the reason behind what's occurring in our culture is this phenomena that lurks, a cause of this toxicity. A diagnosis is given by many that in our society, in our culture, in our world, there's this rising epidemic of narcissism from the Greek myth of the man who fell in love with the sight of his own face in a pool of water. Some claim that there is this growing narcissism, this epidemic reaching proportions that we have never seen in our world before. What is narcissism? Well, simply, it's just people being obsessed with their own feelings, thoughts, views and interests. And in a book I read, a psychologist came up with five traits in order to identify a narcissist. A narcissist has an inflated sense of self. I am uniquely amazing. A narcissist has this sense of entitlement that they deserve special treatment. A narcissist is willing to take advantage of others. They'll do whatever it takes. A narcissist, fourthly, needs attention. Look how amazing I am. And fifthly, a narcissist lacks empathy. Not my problem. You will pay. It's interesting that we have in our society this discussion of narcissism. But we meet in our passage tonight from Matthew's Gospel a man who might tick, well, every box of that identikit for narcissism. We meet King Herod, if you like, the ancient narcissist. King Herod was king of Judah, the area for which most Jews inhabited. He was born into a privileged and elite family. He was appointed to rule the area of Judea by Rome. And he was a very successful man. He excelled at building programs. He was an excellent fighter. He was a skilled speaker. And he kept the order in this area well during his time, an area which, and region which had a history of instability and insurrection. And what's fascinating in this passage that Mandy just read to us is we gain an insight into the inner life, into the inner workings of this first century narcissist. A delegation come to King Herod. They come to his palace and they simply ask him a question. And contrary to the carol we three kings of Orient are, the Magi were probably not kings. Uh, Matthew doesn't tell us that there were three kings. They did give three gifts, and so people surmise that there were three of them. But they probably weren't kings. They were probably more like royal advisors, educated, learned, noble, wealthy men. And they were religious outsiders. They weren't from the Jewish world. They were from the east, far in the east. We're not quite sure where. And they were the least you would expect to come searching, to come looking for a Jewish king. They were 
stargazers, it seems. Not fortune tellers, more astronomers than astrologers. And there they arrive in Jerusalem. And they explain their journey there, if you want to have a look in your books, in that verse 2 of Matthew chapter 2. They ask King Herod, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. I don't know when you were a kid, but when I was a kid, uh, sometimes my brother and I stumbled across the, par- the presence that my parents had hidden for Christmas. And uh, we'd often find the presence there and we'd imagine opening it on Christmas Day. And remember, one time we opened our presence on Christmas Day, but the presence that we'd found didn't appear. And so we asked our parents, where were the other presents? And they said, there's no other presents. And I think they twigged. And we certainly twigged the next day when our cousins received those presents that we had found. This is King Herod. Here is this exotic entourage that has come to his palace with all these gifts and with an inflated sense of self, a sense of entitlement and a need for attention traits one, two and four of narcissism, he assumes that these men and their gifts are for him. And so that is why his response is so interesting. Because we're told there in verse three that he was disturbed. He was disturbed by this question. This is one of the greatest understatements, I think, of the Bible. He's troubled. He's irate. He's upset because, well, his kingship is threatened. This is nothing new. Everything and everyone was a threat to King Herod. His wife and his three sons were a threat, and so he murdered all of them. Narcissistic traits Three and five, willingness to take advantage of others and a lack of empathy. There's no doubt that King Herod was a narcissist. Herod calls this emergency meeting of those from opposite ends of the political and social spectrum and he asks them this intriguing question in response to the Magi's question. He says to these Jewish experts... Where is the Messiah? Where is the King of the Jews to be born? His question concedes the possibility of arrival. Because possibility quickly becomes panic when he is told that this promised King, this promised King of the Jews, is to be born in his own neighbourhood, in his own jurisdiction, in Bethlehem. And so he seeks to turn a potential foe into an ally. And so he asks the Magi, he tasks them to go and find this baby who is born King of the Jews. And as we'll hear in our next reading, his plan doesn't work. And so he's again enraged and he's desperate. We learn in our next reading that he orders the death of all the boys under two in the area of Bethlehem. Scholars think think probably 20 to 30 young children were killed at his order. 
Where is the king? It's a disturbing question for a narcissist like King Herod. Where is the real king? It's disturbing. But where is the king is also a disturbing question for us. Because as extreme as King Herod might be, the way he functions in the story is not as the bad guy that we are distant from. The way King Herod functions is as an example of what it is to be a human. Because the Bible presents humanity as versions of King Herod. Because the reality is in our lives that we want to be on the throne. We want to determine what happens in our lives. We want the world to spin around us. And as we look down perhaps that list of narcissistic traits, I don't think it's too far to believe that at some point all of us could have displayed an inflated sense of self. That many of us may have thought that we are entitled to special treatment, that we've taken advantage of others, that we have a need for attention, that at times we lack an empathy. Around 10 years ago, an Australian author put out a book, Rhonda Byrne. She sold the book named The Secret. She was on Oprah twice. That's two more, uh, that's as many times as Hugh Jackman. She sold 19 million copies of the book and it's marketed as an inspirational book. It's motivational, we're told. And in the book, she writes this. She says, the earth turns on its orbit for you. The ocean ebbs and flows for you. The birds sing for you. The sun rises and it sets for you. The stars come out for you. Every beautiful thing you see, every wondrous thing you experience is all there for you. Take around. Take a look around. None of it can exist without you. She's not referring to God at that point. She's referring to any reader of her book. She's referring to any person looking for inspiration, looking for motivation in their lives. You see, King Herod is a narcissist, but he is not that far beyond every single one of us in the way we act, in the way that we relate. We'll thinly veil our selfishness. We want to be team players. We try to hide it. But the reality is, We are all far more self-righteous, self-obsessed, self-centred and self-absorbed than we're willing to admit. I read a very interesting article this week about the obsession that we have with online activity, with social media. The writer puts it forward that the reason we're so obsessed with Facebook, Instagram uh, and other uh, online activities is that we can't bear to confront who we truly are. He says, attending to our true selves may reveal things that we don't want or can't bear to see. The reality is that as human beings, we are far more obsessed with ourselves than we're willing to admit. And the Bible is consistent in its message throughout 
its unfolding journey, that humanity's evil is not just out there. Humanity's evil is contained within our own hearts. And so in a lot of ways, Christmas is a challenge. Christmas is a threat to ourselves because at Christmas, we're celebrating the birth of a king, one who demands allegiance, one who sits on the throne, one who rules our lives. And so in many ways, we're like King Herod. We're threatened by the birth of Jesus. Jesus demands our allegiance and our loyalty, and that's something that we as all humans, we resist. And so in some ways, Christmas is, well, is a challenge. Christmas is a threat. But it's not just a threat. It's also a promise. It's a promise for people who are too self-absorbed. It's a promise and it's hope for those who have self-obsessed. Because at Christmas, what we celebrate is the coming of one who actually was entitled, who was worthy of worship, who was in himself utterly unique, who was driven by true compassion and empathy, and who didn't take, but this king gave. And this is something that the Magi recognise. They've travelled from the east following this star, and they come to this baby. They come to this baby in the manger and they treat him as a king. They treat him as the king. They worship him. He was their king. And I think the passage suggests to us tonight that we are either worshipping this true king or we are desperately trying to protect our own thrones at the cost of ourself and of others. Because the wonderful thing is that this true king, he knows us and he loves us and his birth is a wonderful thing. These magi came with joy, overjoyed, we're told as they approached this baby because they gave to him everything that they had, that which was precious, they travelled for and they gave to this king. And this is a liberating and this is a wonderful reality. This is great news for us who are a little too self-absorbed. This king has died, has given himself for us. This king who was a baby, who became a man, has given himself for us. And so it's with joy and it's with celebration that we celebrate the birth of this king. Amen.